0: I learned forever ago in covering this football team that the GM is always going to say that he might trade up, that he might trade down, but this, this sounded a little different. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates, where you found this. It was Omar Khan's turn yesterday in Phoenix at the NFL's annual meeting to, well, meet with reporters. And it was the first time Omar, like Mike Tomlin and like others, had communicated really with the outside world in a while. There were a lot of interesting points that he brought up, probably more than what We were all used to getting from Kevin Colbert, especially toward the end when he would just rely on the same phraseology to express the same concepts again and again. The amazing part about Kevin though was that every time he would do it, every year he would do it, he would say it in a tone as if he had just thought of it like right on the spot. So with the new guy, At the helm. And with the new guy expressing palpable excitement about this draft, it just had a different feel to it. And I I found it kind of interesting. Here's the part that I'm referencing, though. Listen to this carefully. This is a a really good draft. I'm very fortunate. My first draft is really good. Um, So I love the idea of having a lot of picks. But you know, there's not all options are on the table. Obviously, if there's an opportunity to trade up to get us a, a player that we think could be an impact player and help us right away, or you know, be a, a good long time time Steeler, we're gonna we're gonna uh, evaluate it. But all options are on the table. Okay. See, it's one thing to say I'm excited about the draft. We're excited about this draft again. Very much something that you hear from all 32 teams, and you've heard it from the Steelers for years. Even when everyone knew the draft class stunk. Fine. But he says, I'm excited to have this draft class in my first year as GM. Well, guess why? He's kind of putting himself on the spot there. He's saying, basically, I had better get it done. You know, the onus is on me as the general manager, not Andy Weidel, not any of the scouts, not Mike Tomlin, not anybody. The onus is on me as the GM, to make the most of this class. And I feel because of the quality of this class, there's a better chance of that happening than not. I like that. I like that. That's cool. You know what I liked even more? A little bit of brashness there about the move up. He didn't put it in the same words that Kevin used to. He put it in a term that said, and you heard this yourself, If there's a player that we really want, if there's somebody up there and it looks like we have to go get him, we'll go get him. Now, again, you can... Take that whichever way you want. You can say, oh, come on, man, they say this all the time, whatever else. Or you can picture to yourself a scenario in which, oh, let's say the son of Joey Porter was available and they value him at some higher level, not because he's Peasy's kid, but because they know him really well. They see something in him that they feel could become special at the corner position. And, oh, by the way, they went and signed Patrick Peterson, then told Peterson, as Tomlin acknowledged at these these meetings, that there's a chance that, you know, they could play around with moving him around to some different positions, including safety, as happens to a lot of older corners. And Peterson is thirty four. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect. Rigor, relevance, that's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. So what happens then? Okay, you know, you get somebody to play corner, and you put them under Peterson's wing as part of that secondary. Let's put it this way. What Omar said yesterday allowed for the feel, I think, for the first time since he's been in his position, that, okay, yeah, this is something of a new era here. Uh, Just because Tomlin is still the head coach and a bunch of other names are familiar, particularly that of the offensive coordinator, doesn't mean that things aren't different. And now, of course, the real fun comes in watching Omar and everybody else under him, but Omar is very clearly in control, which is something else, by the way, that I had expressed some skepticism about. And now where's he going to take it if this draft class is of the quality that he's talking about? And by the way, that's something that's pretty much universal consensus, certainly with uh, a handful of positions. What can he do to put his touch on it? Not to let his ego run wild or whatever else here, but you can tell from listening to him that's that it's at least part of his mindset. Remember, I'm going to keep reminding you guys of this at Omar's introductory press conference when I asked him how he was going to overcome the whole, I'm the cap guy, stigma. And he really didn't like the question. He wants to show everyone that he can GM. This, this is really his first moment. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello, tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. J1Q comes from Peter, who says, DK, with the new flexing to Thursday games on the NFL schedule, does that change roster construction for teams, especially older ones? For instance, keeping more defensive linemen than normal because of the risk of short notice of a short week. I don't think you're going to see roster construction affected. I do think you'll see roster management affected. And by that, I mean who you make active or inactive for a given Thursday game. But I really don't think it's going to be excessive. I I see what you're saying, referring specifically to the D-line, because those guys, your extras that you have on the D-line, are not often out there on main roles on special teams. So that person just basically sits there on the sideline holding a helmet the whole time. At the same time, you need them, you know? How many do you need? That's the question. I've got to say, though, in in general, that Thursday thing has kind of slipped under the radar. I feel like in the football world compared to a lot of the other news that's been generated out of Phoenix. The schedule, the idea that you can just drop a Thursday game on a team's head. I am so vehemently opposed to this. And I say that based not on uh, anything that I'd feel personally, but based on what I've heard from the players over the years. First off, to be very clear, 100 out of 100 members of the NFL Players Association hates the Thursday games. They don't mind the paycheck that comes with having a 17th game, but they hate the Thursday games within that. Why? Why? It's obvious there isn't a recovery period. Anybody who's been to even an ordinary gym in any walk of life will tell you that there's a gymnasium and then there's a recovery area. There's a reason for that. The body needs time to heal from stretching out all that muscle and sinewy tissue and, of course, to heal from the actual injuries that are incurred as well. And it doesn't get it. And as a result, you will see, and this has been data proven, you will see players get hurt on Thursday night in ways that you will not see on any other day of the week. And I just, I just, for what? For what? It's just not that big a deal to have football on a Thursday night. You still After all these years of having it, never hear people say, oh, yeah, who's the Thursday night matchup? Maybe that's because for a lot of years, those matchups were total dogs because you couldn't get the Thursday night network, even though it was the NFL network, to have any real sway in making sure that they got, I don't know, Chiefs versus Bengals or whatever would pass for a marquee matchup right now. But it still means nothing. Or very little anyway. And I just I don't know. I I, I do understand if 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 you're running the NFL and you're doing it in a way that is completely oblivious to all outside circumstances, you would have all 16 games. When you have the max schedule, all 16 games that are played that week would be spread apart so that a person could theoretically sit there and watch all 16. Okay. But it's not possible and it's not practical. And there are not just travel and everything else considerations to weigh the health, you know? But also, how about the fans? You know, 40% of the Steeler season ticket base doesn't live anywhere near Western Pennsylvania. They gotta book flights. You know who you are if you're listening to this show. You're probably one of them. How are you gonna book a flight to Pittsburgh and then find out, oh, they just flexed the game to a Thursday? Come on. I, I, yuck. Anyway. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them.